Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Opus Private Client Wealth Style Podcast. My name is Ivan Watanabe. Uh, welcome to the podcast today. Today we have on uh, one of my great partners, Rob Pruitt. What's going on, Rob? How are you? Hey, Yvonne. How are you today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Well, I'm excited to have you on, even though the topic today isn't the most exciting, but certainly one of the most important. Um, I think it was uh, Ben Franklin said, uh, there are no guarantees or something along the lines of nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes, something along those lines. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happens to assets, what happens to uh, the things that we pass down to our families and our loved ones and sort of that process and some of the sort of common strategies that are available to folks, but also some of the common mistakes that, that we've seen over time and how to kind of get around that. So you know, you and I were talking briefly before we kicked off the podcast around a lot of the inbound phone calls we've been getting or a lot of the the different folks reaching out saying, hey, I'm finally ready to address, you know, my estate planning um, and, and how I want to pass some of these things down because it's always been part of their sort of checklist. But, you know, with being surrounded by so much death over the last couple of years and, you know, through COVID and also folks having maybe a little bit more time on their hands sitting at home, uh, it's been more of a priority than ever before. So I'm just curious, you know, to know a little bit more about sort of what you, what your take is these days on, you know, how folks are reaching out to you to transfer assets to their loved ones and, and what are some of the things that, that you've been uh, kind of walking them through. Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, this is a really important topic and there isn't one set of our clients, you know, demographic in our clients that this isn't a very important topic for. And, you know, Yvonne, you're a perfect example. Young guy, young wife, two professionals, first child, you know, just yep. recently. The world changed. You know, it's not just you anymore. It was a challenge to live for yourself and now a, a spouse. And now all of a sudden it's you, your spouse, and whoa, what's this, <laughs> what's this new baby going to do to us? And the world is so much bigger. And you are yep. so much more responsible for in a world that's much bigger than yourself. And, and you know, a, a couple, a family, a, a child, multiple children, trust and estate planning, having your act together with simple things like wills and powers of attorney and things I'll go through briefly. It's immediately important for a 35-year-old or so couple and then having their first child and now they're in, they're in the business with us. This is something they have to embrace. Jump ahead 30 years. You're about to retire. You have your own 30 and 35-year-old kids who are now married with their first children and you're 55, 60, 65, uh, retired, not retired, doing whatever you want. It's probably time 
to revisit whatever trust and estate planning you put in place if you were lucky enough and, and smart enough to do so, even if it was only five or 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, laws have changed. Laws will change again. Have an audit. Work with us or another trusted provider and have an audit and just say, hey, you know, once every five years, I want to make sure I'm good. And every, whatever I've done is as good as I can make it. And let's play offense and be efficient and make everybody know it's right, or let's go fix whatever can be adjusted. And then you've got another contingent of either clients or parents of clients that are 80 to 90 years old. And if you're blessed and you have both of your parents still alive in their 80s, that's fantastic. And I would advise you to go have uh, some enjoyable and sometimes some challenging conversations. Uh, mm-hmm. Really record and, and document, you know, the history of your family and all those kinds of things. And then get into a conversation that says, Mom and Dad, I'm your executor. How can we make this cleaner, easier, simpler, so you feel good, so I feel good as the executor, so my two siblings, uh, Joe and Nancy, know that, Everything's cool. This is what mom and dad wanted or want. And I'm not being a bad guy as the executor, giving them or not giving them money or, or the house or this piece of jewelry. So there are three phases, distinct phases, but, but the generic planning applies to all three of those demographics. And the last piece that makes it even more challenging is that same last scenario where you have a husband or a wife in their 50s and 60s and they're dealing with elderly parents and one of them leaves. And now you've got a widowed spouse who does or doesn't understand their finances or doesn't or doesn't have their password to their iPhone, their password to their computer, the ID and passwords to every website. The problems are just immense. So you have to be on the offense and know that you have your act together and find the right time in life to actually share your thinking with the lower generation and help the person that you're going to choose to be your executor have a chance to do a great job to really help you. And um, it's more involved than that because once that elderly parent is on their own, can they still live alone? What's the long-term mm-hmm. care plan? How can we keep them in their house as long as possible where they're happy? Get them the care they, de- they deserve. All of this has to do with your trust and estate planning. It has to do with your health care proxy. Who's going to make decisions for me if I can't? Your power of attorney, which is the financial power for someone else to write checks, pay your bills, pay your mortgage, do whatever needs to be done if you can't or temporarily cannot. So how the heck does my life get operated when I really need help? Or how the heck is my mom or dad's life going to be operated when they need help? And oh, by the way, how am I going to take care of my wife and my kids or my husband and my kids if all of a sudden I disappear early in life at 30 or 40 or 50 and I'm, and I'm unfortunately part of that 1% or 2% of America that doesn't make it to 65 yeah. So this planning is really important. You know, it, it's so funny because um, typically when folks kind of reach out to us to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm ready to do my estate planning. It's always on the back of some unfortunate event, right? You know, it's either COVID or a family member recently passed away or somebody went into a nursing home or whatever it might be. 
um, or they had a friend of a friend that recently passed away at a young age. There seems to always be like a life event that pops up for that. And, and my advice to folks in general is to start having these conversations when people are happy and healthy. Right. You know what? You don't want to have external stressors that are putting pressure on you to make a decision, a really important decision on on these types of things. You know, I had surgery last year and I was really grateful that we had done our estate plan a couple years back because I didn't have to think about, you know, granted, my wife would be my healthcare proxy. But if I wasn't here any longer, I didn't have to think about anything besides my wife would be completely taken care of. And everything that we had, all of my wishes had been documented so it would reduce the friction and the risk that could be out there, right? I think you know, that's just such a powerful position to be in so that I know that if I'm not here, there's no fighting. There's no issue as far as I can control, right? There are no issues. There's no fighting. Everything's pretty well documented in those button. Everything's all buttoned up as far as it can possibly be. But, you know, I think what, what could be really helpful for the audience today is maybe share some options or some scenarios that, that either you've seen personally or that you've heard of that could be maybe you thought it was fully buttoned up, but maybe it wasn't, or some of the things that you could do to make sure that it is as deliberate and tidy as possible. Absolutely. So when you have a person pass away, there are some number of assets that are theirs. They might be theirs only. So a checking account in the husband's name or investment account in the husband's name. There might be another investment account in the husband and the wife's name. The way assets are titled and owned are something that should be um, reviewed every single year. And right behind that are beneficiary structures. Now, just for the audience, the stuff that's in your estate is driven by your will or by other structures that says what you want done with it. And, and that trust and estate planning is great and you need to do it. But it says nothing for your 401k, your IRA, mm -hmm. your annuities, your life insurance. So dealing with professionals like us to make sure that you really understand what you have and how it works is job one on those two ideas. And then when I meet a new client, I'll ask for all of their, and Yvonne does too, obviously, all of their existing documents. And I sit with them as part of that onboarding process to say, here's exactly how your will works. Here's exactly who the guardians for your kids are. Uh, here's exactly who the executor is. And all of a sudden the wife goes, oh, we can't have them anymore. You know, that was 10, 12 years ago and he divorced her. Our kids can't go there. Right. So it's unbelievable what gets uncovered and what needs to get fixed. And again, you leave those conversations with the couple saying, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because, man, would that have been a mess. So yeah. you just keep kind of ticking down, are beneficiaries in place? Are these structures the way you really want them? And the beneficiaries and all those things can be changed next week, next month, twice the year after that. You're not locked in, but gosh, let's make sure they're at least where they need to be directed right now. So that annual review is a really important place. Sorry, I was just going to say, I can't even remember how many times I've looked at the beneficiary statements or the beneficiary designations on a 401k statement. It's, you know, the ex-spouse. It, it's, it's mind blowing or the, or the mom that, that had recently passed away. Um, it just, you know, those things are, are often overlooked, but cause ex 
incredible issues if, if something were to pop up. Uh, even families without a lot of issues need to have their act together and understand how things are moving. But in today's, uh, unfortunately, in today's environment and society, you know, 50% of uh, marriages end in divorce. And, you know, you have a family you're looking at, a husband, wife, but it turns out they were both married before. They have some kids or some responsibility for kids that are either in their house or out of their house from their previous marriages. They have a few of their own. They both have living parents. This whole thing can get quite involved. And the more involved it is, the more important it is for our clients to really feel like they have control and they really understand what's going on. So mm-hmm. a couple of you know quick issues, right? Being disorganized, not having those IDs and passwords shared with your loved one, poor tax planning, giving away taxes, missing out on tax savings that could have been uh, planned for and positioned, how you title your assets, your beneficiaries. When someone passes away, it is a very, very challenging time for everyone involved, the family, the spouses, the kids. And it's just grief. It's a grief stricken time. And you don't want to have to figure out what the heck's going on then. Mm. You know, if the individual was sick for a month or two or three and had a chance to talk to his loved ones and or her loved ones before she uh, passed away, it's also a great time to tell everybody everything's okay. We got this lined up. Here's the way it's going to work. We talked about this before or we didn't, but now we're going to. Get them all in a room. Get them all in the hospital room. Get them wherever they got to be with our help or not and say, here's the way it's going to work and here's the way it's going to go down. And obviously... More than 50 or 70% of the people in America don't enjoy that construct and haven't done all the work or they haven't done all the work recently enough to know that it's buttoned up. So we run into lots of issues. Like I have a a friend of mine who passed away recently and I reached out to his wife. They aren't clients, but I just said, hey, listen, you know, I've been through this a bunch recently and I, I know how to help. I said, is there anything right off the top of the bat I can help you with? She says, yeah, I got no clue what's going on with Social Security. And I got no clue where, you know, my liquidity and my assets are that I'm going to live on. And with a little prying and a little bit of homework on my behalf, they had real issues because a lot of the, almost all of the assets were in his name only. And that means she doesn't have access to them. Can Mm -hmm. you imagine being a spouse who just lost her husband and she doesn't know where she's going to get the money for to pay the next mortgage bill because everything was only in his name and his checking account and his investment account. And those are locked up in something called probate court. So any asset that is only uh, owned by the person who passes away is locked up for a period of time. So you really have to do the planning to know that in your case, Yvonne, you know, your assets are nicely either split or jointly owned between the two spouses. And there's going to be liquidity for either spouse to operate right away for the initial six months or a year. And the family's going to hang together and the life insurance proceeds are going to drop in and make it okay. And the liquidity is going to be there. And we have the ability to have gone through this uh, numerous times and we know where the pitfalls are and the lawyers we deal with know where the pitfalls are. And, you know, us with our clients and their lawyers sitting around knocking this out together every every 12 months at a minimum. Uh, my gosh, it just uh, it brings so much value and gets rid of the angst and the extra grief and the extra anxiety and the extra confusion and siblings fighting because, you know, I thought I was getting this from dad. And mm-hmm. it, it's just um, it just can can spiral if you don't attack it and have it planned for 
You know, and it's tough because you you don't want to be having that conversation in the hospital room, right? That you know, it, God God forbid that that's the case. You want to be there having great conversations, memories, and sort of trying to enjoy each other's company as long as possible, not trying to, you know, walk through legal documents to figure out who's going to be left with what. And I think that's the, that's my overall point to my clients is, again, you want to be having these conversations when things are good, when life is okay, and when you are healthy and happy as much as you could possibly be to, to put this planning in place. And even the best sought out plans don't fully cover all of the things that could pop up when you are no longer here. But you can do a tremendous amount of, as you said, sort of proactive offensive planning, you know, while you're still alive. And I think that's the that's the general premise here. I mean, are you working through, you know, a lot of the the estate planning on the back end once some somebody has passed away? Is there one particular common theme or tip that you see often that either could have been avoided or um, that you would recommend folks besides getting their regular, you know, documentation down? Are there any other things that you've sort of seen that you would recommend people address? Uh, yes. Find a way to have your legacy, mostly, I assume, financial legacies. Find a way to have that advantage you and be joyous while you're still here. Mm. I have a conversation at least once a week with clients that are 50, 55, 60. Now I'm starting to think about maybe not working every day. I've got, uh, you know, kids that are one married, one not, first grandchild. And they're talking about their legacy. And legacy is different to every couple and to every person. But generically, our parents and some of us were sort of trained to have your nest egg, retire on your nest egg, live off your nest egg, don't touch the egg, leave it alone, leave it till the end of the rainbow, give it to your kid. So imagine being, you know, the couple or the second of the couple to pass away at 91, I say to them. Guess what? If you guys do that kind of planning, you're 55 right now, and how old are your, your, your kids? Oh, they're, um, you know, 30 and 32. I said, okay. So if the second of you, Pat, the last of you passes away at 90, that means it's 35 years from now. Your kids are going to be 67 and 65. They're going to be 10 years older than you are now. And your grandkids are going to be 30 to 35 to 40 years old. Is that really when you want your legacy to, quote, go downstream, help them in their lives, go let them do? No, wait a minute. They've lived more. Your kids will have lived more life than you have already. Right. Uh, we want to build a plan where you have flexibility, choice, extra cash flow. You get to do your gifting and legacy while you're alive. You get to help your kids and their families do things and acquire assets and get a second home or do whatever you have the ability to do with them. And I love to paint the picture that says, hey, let's let's look at this completely differently. This is not, depending on your abilities, this is not live on the golden goose nest egg and don't kill the goose. Because that's not much fun. It hurts right. you in retirement. It hurts your cash flow. It hurts your taxation. It hurts your after-tax income. It hurts your ability to be flexible and enjoy your family and enjoy later in life. 
You want the freedom to really spend and live life aggressively from, from 60 to 80 or 85 while you have your faculties and your health, your ability to travel and all those things. And guess what? Now your kids are 40 or 45 or 50 by the time you're 85. And those grandkids are in their mid-20s. And guess what? They'd love to go to some family retreat, weekend, week, special event, wherever that you can dream up with the money you've saved and that you can spend out of your nest egg now to have a wonderful family experience and create memories and create time with multiple generations that are so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always love when I get a chance to talk to you, Rob, because you're, you, you know, one of the things that I think you mention often is sort of, you know, creating memories, right? Something around creating memories and creating time and spending time. And um, I, I think that's incredibly valuable. And I think it gets really lost in oftentimes in just regular linear thinking and linear financial planning, right? Hey, this is how much you're going to live off of. You're going to leave the rest and, and everything's going to be just fine. But what about flipping the script and saying, hey, why don't you create memories and enjoy it while you are still alive and create additional assets and vacations and um, all of those other things while you are still here so that, you know, the legacy isn't, well, thanks, grandpa, for, for leaving this money behind. Instead, it could be, you know, really appreciate the experience together. Remember when we did X, Y, and Z with grandpa, right? There's a whole different connotation, experience, life legacy to all of that. I mean, I think that's just a really amazing way to look at life. So I always appreciate that from you. Um, every, you know, when, when we get a chance, I, I to think catch you're up. on a very, you're on a very powerful and enlightening topic. And when my grandfather passed away, we were lucky enough to have one sort of reel-to-reel tape recorder that had about 40 seconds of his voice. You know, life is so different now. There's no reason we shouldn't have videos and movies and recordings and, you know, of, of, of families together. There's no excuse. The second thing that I think is really powerful is if a parent or a grandparent can record or write down what was important to them in life, uh, what an individual child or an individual grandchild meant to them. Just unbelievable stuff that makes them feel better, uh, makes them feel powerful and so lasting and, and so impactful on the younger generation. Because when we do leave this earth, uh, we leave those memories you talk about, but it's also we leave an impact, we hope, on those that we cared about. And um, these are just more additional powerful ways to think about doing that. So yeah. if you have your act together and you have your planning together and all that other stuff, tick the box. You know, Rob and Yvonne said, you got it done right. You're good. We'll check in again. Well, now you can sort of, you know, hopefully think about, well, what could I do extra and how do, how do I want to make it even better? And whether it's spend my money, record our family history, do whatever, um, you know, have these spend, spend a week with each grandkid on our own, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I, uh, I love the conversation, Rob, you know, it, frankly, it took a completely different turn than I thought it was going to, to take and more of sort of like a real, a real life conversation about how to leave a legacy, you know, what are some of the basic things we should be doing in order to be able to do that, but really the way to sort of think about what life is like while we're still here and what that could look like, you know, when we're no longer here. 
the piece we didn't spend a lot of time on, but I'll just do a quick commercial. There's something in yeah. between having your documents together and beneficiaries right and all that. And then the other end of the continuum where you're actually executing while you're alive, impacting your family, all that stuff. The other important part is how to own and move assets while you're alive, how to do the proper planning, how to not pay as much tax as I might have otherwise. There's, you know, they may change the laws with us again after 2025. Right now, we have fairly consistent laws in our country on estate, on taxation. There is a window of opportunity between now and the end of 2025 to be proactive and really have a chance to get our act together before they change some of the estate tax laws that are, are very opportunistic right now. $11.7 million per spouse. Getting some money out of your state now if you can afford to. Here's a creative one. We've always heard about step up in basis where a grandfather leaves uh, a share of Exxon stock that he got for five bucks. It's now worth 87 and it steps up in basis and the inheritor, be it their kid or their grandkid, gets the $87 share with, with all the gain wiped out. Well, that's kind of standard thinking. How about gifting upstream? How about taking the 55-year-old clients who had a, uh, you know, a nice windfall in a company they worked in? They got all their shares at five bucks that are now worth 200. Mm-hmm. Could the husband and the wife gift $16,000 a year upstream of appreciated stock to elderly parents? Well, if there's two of them, you can put $64,000 a year that's got five grand worth of basis in it. And five or 10 years from now, that's all going to come back to you stepped up. So there's all kinds of things that need to be thought about here. And that's new and strategic and opportunistic thinking. And, um, you know, it's not just standard planning anymore. You gotta, you gotta be on the leading edge of what's happening in the laws today and be proactive. And it's, so that's just one example of, you know, very moneyed people hire very moneyed lawyers to do things for them. And in some cases, those are our clients, but in many cases, they aren't. And everybody can participate and benefit from this proper thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, listen, I, I always appreciate a conversation with you. Um, it's been one of my favorite conversations on this podcast. So thanks for the time today. You know, again, thank you to the listening audience for tuning in. It's just another uh, one of our uh, Opus Private Client Well Style podcast talking a little bit about sort of how to leave a legacy behind. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, please click subscribe below uh, to be notified when we have another podcast coming out. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Yvonne Watanabe and Rob Pruitt are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. 
Opus Private Client, LLC, is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206, Rob's Number 0I88914, Compliance Approval 2022-136155, expires April of 2024.